We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Art Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, Lakers basically punted a game against the Phoenix Suns, losing 130-104 to as LeBron, Austin, and Russ all sat, joining AD on the bench. And so it was a game where, you know, Phoenix actually played pretty well. I was hoping that maybe, you know, they had a have a bit of a letdown. They had Booker out as well, but they really turned up the ball pressure and ball denial and just Lakers' lack of primary ball handlers. You know, they struggled with that, with the notable exception of Dennis Schroeder. Let's hope one of the long-term, you know, bonuses of last night's game is Schroeder got some touches, got his game going a bit, and that'll be added more and more to the Lakers' arsenal. And so today, uh, rather than getting too far into a game, Lakers basically basically punted. We're going to talk about the big man position, which Darius, it really comes into play with Anthony Davis uh, sitting out. And so here I'm primarily talking about Thomas Bryant, Wenyan Gabriel, Damian Jones, but also LeBron James, right? Who I think serves more as a big when Anthony Davis is out than when he's not. So with the exception of LeBron, who I think we have a good uh, feel for by now, we've learned a lot about TB and Jones and Wenyan over the course of this season. And so I'm curious, what stands out to you of that group in terms of being kind of the foundation for this team when Anthony Davis is out amongst the bigs? It's an interesting mix of guys. TB is the guy who I think is a reliable enough scorer and offensive player that he's he's truly helpful on that on that end of the floor. Um, I also think that he his defensive weaknesses are pronounced in very specific areas that make it a challenge against a team like the Suns, for mm-hmm. example. The Suns were the exact sort of team that I think is going to really give TB problems defensively, whereas the Nuggets were the type of team that even though they have Nikola Jokic, yep, TB is better equipped to deal with the type of offensive team that they are. What are the weaknesses in TB's game that that stand out to you in this respect? Because I think that zeroing in on that kind of helps us figure out like when he's going to work and when he's not. Yeah, so he doesn't show a lot of like lateral quickness 
and agility. Um, he is very much a straight line player. And you see that in terms of how he moves up and down the court and how quickly he can accelerate from like zero to his top speed when going in a straight line. Um, so like he's not someone that if if he was a track runner, Mike, like he might have a little bit more difficulty like navigating the turns that he would like running the sprint like in the fr- <laughs> like like just in that straight hundred meter area. Right. And then I think the Lakers particular brand of drop coverage requires you to sort of play on an island and in this like gray area where you are both responsible for the ball handler waiting for the guard to get over the top of the screen and the big man who is rolling to the rim. And that requires a certain amount of lift off of the ground because you may have to go and break up a lob while also maybe potentially having to like challenge a mid-range jumper and Mm -hmm. tb doesn't have that elevation like he doesn't have that bounce to say like oh i'm gonna step up and challenge your mid-range that requires some of that short area quickness that you were talking about too that like i'm gonna you know jab at the ball handler but and then quickly backpedal even before jumping so it kind of plays into both of the things that you're talking about defensively what you see is is guards just attacking him and big guys just attacking him and so Aiton did a very good job of like isoing tb at the foul line for example and then like preying on the fact that well you're gonna lay off me because you're nervous about my drives and quickness off of the dribble and Aiton did get to him a couple of times where it's just like oh quick one dribble move and then he's to the front of the rim or one dribble move and then a drop step and he's just leaving TB in the dust because he doesn't have that short area quickness so TB was laying off of him but Aiton's like great thanks because what I really want to do is shoot this mid-range jumper anyway like that's Mm -hmm. my game and so and then the guards were like Oh, TB in a drop, like I'm just going to drive in and shoot over the top because he's not going to challenge. He's laying off too far. Whereas against Jokic, it was just sort of like, hey, fight this dude for position and keep him off of his spot. And -hmm. then like, I'm just going to like try and be big and and challenge at the like at the peak and like Jokic was still good against him and he drew fouls and he made his shots but it was much more like I'm keeping you off of your spot and battling you for for position and so those are the places Mike where TB is good defensively but he's not as good in areas where even if he has to help sometimes like he's he's hesitant to help at times too and and so he's just not a defensive player. And so I spent a lot of time on, on Bryant there. Like, I think that there's lots of stuff still to discuss about Wenyon and, and Jones's individual games, but Bryant's the starter with AD out. So I think it's important to understand where his strengths and weaknesses lie as, as a player. I think he's been super helpful offensively, but defensively it's going to be a challenge with him. And that's been his MO over the course of his career. So I'm still in Phoenix, about to leave for Sacramento in a little bit, and the internet sucks in this room. So you guys right now are frozen, but Darius has a big smile on his face, <laughs> um, and Pete has kind of like a, a sly smile on his face. So I almost feel like anything I say is going to be met with those reactions, um, which is kind of nice. It's it's kind of comforting. That's always how it is, Mike. It's That's true. Yeah. Although sometimes if I'm saying something in 
well, there are a couple topics, right? Most things we agree on. There are a couple topics sometimes that, especially if Pete and I are like not quite there and Darius wants to be Switzerland, Pete will get like oh, yeah. a little look and like his eyebrow will go up a little bit. And I'm kind of always looking for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. eyebrow. Yeah, my eyebrow always gives me yeah, away. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> you can't hide those lion eyes, buddy. Uh, but alas, I the Thomas Bryant thing for me. <laughs> I don't know. If sh- like, so short area quickness is an interesting way to put it. And I think that, that that's what ends up happening when you're a little bit late on something. So another way I would, I would think about it is Marcus Gasol or a player like that doesn't – I don't know if he's quicker than Thomas Bryant, but he's processing defense in a different way or he's, you know, he's anticipating things happening sort of mm-hmm. a different way. And Thomas to me is more of a reactive – player and more of a reactive defender and honestly so was Damian Jones great point. Um, you know the way that Jones defends too it's kind of like oh there's the ball I got to go block it you know it's not it's not always kind of thinking where where is the defense going to be susceptible what spot um, do I need to get to and I think there's a, a mix of reasons that that happens but you know that just goes back to sort of years of the way that you're either playing basketball or taught basketball and Thomas is is a great athlete with great size and a great motor and like a great heart, right? There are all of these things that he has, but I, I think those have carried him to this mm-hmm. point. And he hasn't always had to rely it, to the point where like a team is asking him to anchor, to really anchor a defense uh, and to really make sure that he's that he's carrying things in that way. And that's another one of the subtleties about Anthony Davis's game is that he's got all of that stuff. He's got all, of course, all of the athletic gifts and the length, yeah. everything like that. But he's also got all of the anticipation, and that's why he's, you know, basically the best defender um, on planet Earth, with along with a couple guys that are in that mix with him. So that that's the stuff, Pete. I guess to kick this to you, I don't think that that changes, you know, in the next month or two weeks or however long it is that mm-hmm. they're out a week. We don't know yet. They're still we don't know yet that they're going to be without AD, but. You know, maybe I'm dismissing something that can that can evolve. And, you know, now that he's actually being asked to do some of these things, maybe that will get better uh, in the next little while. But it's it's not something that I think you can expect. And so therefore, what do you do about it? A hundred percent, man. This is something that like it's more of a capability thing than everything. I love the Mark comparison because one of the ways that if you're not as laterally quick, you can make up for that is to see things a little bit ahead of everybody else. And the guy that that comes to, uh, that comes to mind on this current team, there are two guys, one to a lesser extent is Wenyan Gabriel. He's got good anticipation and has some of more of that lateral quickness that those two things combine to where he provides some of that in ways that Bryant and Jones don't with Jones kind of somewhere in between TB and, and Wenyan in this respect. But really the guy for me that fits that bill D is LeBron James. He is the guy that defensively can anticipate things ahead of everyone else. Now, the this stretch that he's in where he's really rounding into form, one of the things that he's done particularly well, I've thought, is defend on the perimeter. He's jumped a ton of passing lanes. That's one of the things that I look for with LeBron is LeBron feeling okay. And early in the year, he was trying to get himself on track by jumping those passing lanes and he was missing them, right? And it was like, ah, LeBron's getting older. He's not getting his hand on on that and getting for the breakaway and the, the windmill on the other end. He's done that a bunch of times over the last 10 days or so. Um, but on the interior, that becomes really important to D, that idea of what, what Mike was talking about, about 
what TB is is not going to change. But also he's so good on offense, and we've seen over the course of a couple of our wins that he's helpful. He's part of, if we're going to win games with AD out, he's one of the guys that's important to that. So it becomes a question of how do you support Thomas Bryant? And the main guy that comes to mind in that respect for me is LeBron James, right? He's one of those guys that in terms of his anticipation and positioning and all of that – both him and TB can also box out a bit. Like they have a physical on the ground presence that I think you can sort of build around. So that's the first place I go to in terms of answering Mike's question of like, this isn't going to change. So how do you build around it? How do you support TB in a way? LeBron's the first guy that comes to mind. So I'm curious, like LeBron, the big man defensively, what does he bring to the table? Well, I think you nailed it in terms of a lot of off. So a lot of off ball anticipation and a lot of on ball strength. But Mm. in its own way, LeBron has very similar weaknesses to Thomas Bryant when he's engaged in ball screens, right? And so LeBron definitely has more of the Draymond AD, like I can play the in-between actions. But LeBron is, he's 6'9". He's got great length, but he's a 6'9 player. And it's just like, look, when you're in a backpedal and the role man is... Daniel Gafford, for example, because this happened a couple of times against the Wizards where it's just like Daniel Gafford's rolling down downhill and he's got a free lane and he gets to roll and just jump and try to catch catch a lob. There's nothing LeBron James is going to do in a backpedal to dissuade that lob, just like there's nothing that Thomas Bryant is going to do to dissuade that lob. When Gabriel can dissuade that lob. Anthony Davis can dissuade that lob, but Thomas Bryant and LeBron James cannot, right? And so LeBron, his he gave Jokic even more issues than TB gave Jokic because LeBron is just, he is a wall defensively. Like yeah. you cannot move LeBron. Mm-hmm. And Mike knows this firsthand because LeBron ran and jumped in the mic and damn near put him right through the scorer's table. Although hey, Mike, Mike held, held his ground well. okay. Yeah, like hey. I was going to say, you might not be able to run through Trudell as easily, uh, come to find out. Darius, I will comment firsthand on this. Um, okay, so the first time that I really like ran into a professional a professional athlete, an elite stre- – like a, a, a professional athlete that had elite strength – they when I was doing radio with Michael Thompson, they had a celebrity game. So it was like celebrities and f- former athletes, whatever, against radio hosts. And Corey Maggette was on the other team. And I was guarding oh my. Sugar Shane Mosley, mm. uh, not a great basketball player. Um, and and I actually tower <laughs> over Sugar Shane Mosley. Like, I mean, now, look, I, I wouldn't really want him to punch me, but not great at basketball. So I was um, I was playing the type of defense that like Golden State was playing on Tony Allen back in the day. I was just completely leaving. Um, okay, you're helping. And, tra- and like f- yep. fronting and trapping and just basically pissing Corey McGetty off. He's like, what are you doing, bro? And and anyway, so on the other end of the court at one point, <laughs> I'm I'm running around to try to get the ball and McGetty steps over and just gives me a little, like a kind of a half screen. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, it was a... a in a, an, open, an awakening, <laughs> right? To just a, the the density of muscle um, on somebody six six that's in that kind of shape. And LeBron is three inches taller, and uh, I don't know, probably has 20, 30 pounds on Corey Maggette, and is also stronger than everybody with his core strength. So uh, when he started to jump into me, 
I was just standing at the scores table and you know, I do, I do feel like I held up well, but I, I had to work. I had to brace myself with, with, uh, intense focus (laughs) with the way that Pete might be looking at lineup data or that uh, Darius might be, might be into the trade machine, (laughs) you know, like I was really, I really had to be locked in for that moment. Um, I, I think I put those, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I put some photos up on my uh, IG page uh, the other day doing it. So that's, that's a long aside Darius, but yes, uh, he is not, he is not weak. And and <laughs> just one more thing to add, to add to that, that like strength. He's also a martial artist in that he, one of the things I've loved from watching the melts last few years is he knows exactly when to hit you when you're off balance. So when you combine those physical tools with like, I'm going to put a forearm or a shoulder into into you at exactly the worst moment for you. That's one of those things, D, that like that is in the absence of Anthony Davis when we don't have a lot of defensive solutions. It's one of the things that we can build on. Yeah. And so when you add that strength, I think one of LeBron's great assets as a basketball player is that anticipation and that sort of seeing things like not just a frame ahead, but like four or five frames ahead. It's Mm -hmm. literally why he's a basketball genius. And so the stuff that Mike was talking about with Marcus Gasol defensively, a lot of that stuff applies to LeBron too, except LeBron is like, you know, a super athlete. Mm-hmm. And, and and so the quickness and the hands and all of the reaction, like it all combines to being this great anticipatory player that can draw charges. And then no one really still wants to challenge LeBron physically in a way. It's it's like one of the things that he still holds over the league, Mike, where it's just like, oh, my goodness, here comes there's LeBron just standing in front of me and no, like I'm just going to move the ball on because I don't really want this dude like locking me up or getting in to me with this forearm and knocking me off. Mm-hmm. And so I think Pete, in terms of supporting TB, I think LeBron can be a great help side defender and someone who picks up early in help. But I do think that if those are your two bigs, that are on the court, you're still going to be susceptible to guys like going over the top Yep. in ways where it's like, okay, well, we are really going to have to be on point with our guards getting over screens in order to help neutralize the guards that are coming down downhill so that the bigs can engage their own man earlier. Because mm-hmm. if they can't get because if LeBron and TB can't get back to their guys in order to put their bodies on them, mm-hmm. then those guys are going to catch the ball up high and they're going to either finish or draw fouls. And that's like that's where you really miss AD, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you've talked a lot about the Air Force. Well, yep. AD's the lone top gun pilot we have in that's our right. program and he's on the sidelines well, right me, now. Let me just say, too, though, that. The Phoenix Suns, I don't think they're great this year. I think they are they have some fatal flaws once the playoff comes around. But in that kind of a game, that's not the team that you want to play. Uh, Chris Paul is going to hammer away at exactly what that weakness is that we've been talking about. And he did. Uh, and he did it relentlessly and surgically and with malice. And a lot of teams are not going to be as disciplined. Uh, and able to to sort of go at what what it is. So I think the Lakers will look better um, as 
these games go on. And, you know, like Sacramento is a really good offense as well. Who They play next and, and Sabonis is kind of a blunt force object that um, that's going to be difficult to contain. But I do think that Bryant can at least bang with him a little bit better than try to deal with what Phoenix likes to do in the middle of yep. the court there. Uh, and, you know, now he's not going to do great against Aaron Fox whipping around a screen and going to finish at the rim. But that's that's another thing. It just I wanted to I wanted to point out that Phoenix is like probably the worst team to play in that kind of context. Yeah, because you both have the guards that can take take advantage of that mid range game, and you've got the big that can uh, that can win that battle over the top. Which, yeah, our our air force is grounded right now for sure, and we got to work around that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about some schematic things that the team can do. Uh, in light of that Air Force being grounded, and then also uh, Wenyan Gabriel and Damian Jones. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So just a quick thought on the how do you, from Darvin Ham's point of view, deal with that reality that you don't have guys that are going to win battles really high up in the air right now, with the exception of Damian Jones from time to time. Uh one of the things that we do in our defense is we will help from one pass away more than other teams do. And that's probably something you'd lean into a little bit more with TB back there and just with Anthony Davis out is that like we're going to let you into that range just less often than and we're willing to sacrifice some jump shooting. And so one of the things like from a coaching standpoint that you uh, that you try to get to is the lesser evil when you don't have perfect personnel. Right. When you don't have all the guys that you wish you did to solve all the problems you wish you could, you start making decisions of like, all right, well, we're willing to give up open wing or even corner threes to your worst shooter. And sometimes Matisse Tybal is going to hit those open threes, right? And guys like that. And, you know, you live with that. That's one of those things where it's like, well, the alternative is this other guy kicking our butts in the paint that we don't really have an answer for. And so that to me, D, is something that I, I can see us going to stuff that 
keeps guys in front of us a little bit more. But really, our options, and if we do want to have some degree of Air Force, are winning Gabriel and Damian Jones. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on either of those things that that helping, but also the uh, but also winning in, in DJ. No, I think the helping idea is is right in line with what Darwin has typically done schematically. And so I think that that's probably option A is, hey, we're just going to help more mm-hmm. and we're just going to try to protect the paint through bodies rather yeah. than by having this singular talent back there to to block your shot or be um, a presence at the basket. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Honestly, like we've talked a lot about teams abilities to sort of fall into a rhythm quickly when they're getting practice sort of shots. Mm-hmm. And those types of shots that you're talking about are practice types of shots, Pete. They mm-hmm. are like, oh, look at me. I'm camped out a foot behind the three-point three, three point line. My man is playing off one pass away. And these are all easy reads, right? It's not like, oh, okay, there's all this action happening on the backside and I've got to pick out, I've got to beat like I've got to beat one defender with two like and fake the skip. Oh, throw to the corner. Oh, fake to the corner, kick out and then swing, swing, a rotate. No, it's none of that. It's like I dribble to the foul line. Oh, look, this guy is helping off of a guy who's standing 10 feet from me. And I'm just going to basically almost spoon feed him the ball for a wide open yep. three. And then that dude's going to step in and take that three with confidence because those are the same types of threes that guys take after practice and like shooting competitions like hey no one's here i'm just gonna fire a fire away so that is gonna be the first thing but like unless a team has just a really bad shooting night mike like there's enough shooting around the league where you do that against sacramento that might be kevin herter it might be malik monk might be harrison barnes those guys can make open three yeah like those guys are gonna make open threes and so that's where you're gonna need different defensive looks. And this is where I'm happy to see Wenyan Gabriel back, Pete. So let's start with Gabriel. Um, because Gabriel is a guy who can play center in certain lineups, and he's a guy who can play forward in certain lineups. And that type of player is super useful. Mm-hmm. Um, he can play, like you can play in a super big lineup with LeBron, Wenyan, and TB if you really had to. That, I don't think... Darwin is going to go in that direction, but he could Mm -hmm. if the right mix of players from the other team is on the floor. Right. And so against Washington, for example, I actually think we would have seen that exact lineup if it was like a group of Coos, Gafford and Porzingis, which was actually on the floor at Mm -hmm. a certain point. But Wenyan wasn't available, so he didn't play. Right. So, Mike, Wenyan being back, I think, is critical towards trying to help the Lakers defense stay afloat, which is like such a wild sentence to say in 2023 that Wenyan Gabriel is an integral part of keeping your defense afloat. But it's true. He is athletic. He has good defensive instincts. He plays with a tremendous motor defensively as well as offensively. And he just sort of knows how to go and attack the basketball on both ends of the floor. And you put a player like that next to Thomas Bryant. Pete, when you were talking about LeBron was the dude that you thought best supports TB, I actually think it might be Wenyon because he's the guy. I can see that. 
He is the guy who is good on the ball against like similarly sized players. He is another guy who can help and block shots at the basket. He can he can play above the top of the square, even in individual matchups, which is super helpful. And he's also going to go and get rebounds. And so, Mike, what do you what do you make of Wenyon's return? And do you envision possibilities of playing bigger more often because of the size deficit? Because AD can basically be two bigs at the same time, but none of these other bigs can be. I think I'm going to reject the screen here uh, and go and go ISO and talk about my own thing here. Um, you guys are are two of maybe <laughs> like 10 people in the world that could go this in depth on Gabriel and Bryant and Jones uh, from a defensive standpoint. And, and I still actually kind of do want to hear more. Um, I, I'm just thinking of like putting these last three games together. You've got Denver. They scored 108 points. That's pretty good uh, for the Lakers. You got Washington who scored 117, but you know, they're not that serious of a team right now. They were kind of fine giving up points and the game was going up and down. And then I just am completely dismissing what we saw in Phoenix since the Lakers, you know, had everybody sitting on the bench going into Sacramento. Now, you know, there, there's part of the whole best defense is a good offense or I know people say the inverse but the Lakers will at least be able to get the ball into the paint and past like the the three-point line extended which they were not able to do for large uh, large segments of the Phoenix game <laughs> yes and it just so like in that sense plus with Chris Paul and in all of the intensity of Phoenix seeing the Lakers in their building you know I I just that I think that game just kind of has to be thrown out so I'm I think that Overall, as long as the Lakers have LeBron out there playing the same way that he did against Denver and Washington, which I, I think he can do for most games um, over the next however long AD goes out, their their offense is going to be good enough. And that includes, by the way, corner three-point shooter Thomas Bryant, who has emerged now um, and hit two in the fourth quarter mm -hmm. against Washington, yep. two in the first quarter against Phoenix. That includes some other things as well that they won't, you know, they won't have to have quite as big of an ask um, on defense. And, and so Pete, you can reject this as well and, and feel free to, to move back into that. But I'm, I'm just trying to think about how generally speaking, the Lakers are going to operate in these next couple of weeks and playing Gabriel with Brian. I do like, by the way, that is, that is a good answer and probably less Jones and more LeBron, um, at the center spot. But that's, uh, that's mm -hmm. where, that's where my mind is trying to focus. Like, all right, what am I going to talk about at the start of the game, you know, and, and how do the, how do the Lakers kind of keep, keep swimming through these uh, these difficult waters without AD. For sure. To me, the word motor is the headliner on that in terms of how the how we go about this. I think we are less likely to win a half court battle than ever before. Um, and we need to drag the game into transition as much as possible. And defensively is really where that starts. Like Denver was very much a defense to offense game. And one of the way like we basically need the bigs to be able to do their jobs and then our perimeter guys to create somewhat of a swarming swarming effect. So if you were listening to this pod a, a week or two ago, I was pounding the table about our defensive rebounding, right? That we're not going to be anything worth a damn if we can't get a, a defensive rebound. And a big part of that was our guard rebounding and just kind of like that second wave sandwich rebounding. And we've been way better at that over the last 10 days or so. Max Christie's insertion into the rotation, who's a guy I think we're going to have at least a segment of a pod about soon. Um, he's been very helpful there, but also Russ, also so LeBron, they're tipping to each other. Like the rebounding game's an interesting, interesting strategically, and we never talk about it. I, I won't get into it into it too deeply now, but our 
like tipping to each other and like having multiple bodies is really something that we're doing a lot better, D. And that is something that gets us out into transition. And that like when you were talking about Wenyon and TB and playing them together, first off, we need LeBron, TB and Wenyon all together available in the same game for us to really be able to do something in this time where AD has been out. Hopefully this game against Sacramento will be, will be the first time that's happened in a minute, but it's essential that we have all three of those guys. Secondly, Wenyon and TB, that motor that they both play with individually, I think is a huge uh, force multiplier that when you're dealing with both of those guys and both guys can shoot 30% from three, they've got a, a credible jump shot, at least that that's a great combination. And that's somewhere where when you combine that with somebody like Russ, that's the best way to get the most out of Russ is with those bench units hauling ass up and down the court. And so when Mike asks, like, how do we navigate this stretch? That's one of the things that I really go to is that LeBron is the, the, um, the center of the universe offensively, especially in the half court, but then team wise, really a mind team wide, really a mind for transition, a heart and spirit for running the floor, I think is our best bet over, over this stretch without AD. I think that that's right. So one of the things I'm looking at right now is Thomas Bryant's game log, right? And so, um, before AD went down, TB basically hadn't been playing very much at all, right, um, mm-hmm. while AD was available. So in the Philly game, he only played six minutes. In the Pistons game, he played 12 minutes. And in the Boston game, he played seven minutes, right? In the two games that AD missed on the road trip, basically, um, Cleveland and Toronto, his minutes jumped to 28 and 32. And then in these last three three games where AD went out, um, and then didn't play play at all, he played 24, 33, and 27 minutes. There's 48 minutes available at center, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some of those minutes are going to go down, I think, because Wenyon wasn't available in any of those games at all, except for this Phoenix game. But LeBron didn't play in that game. And so just like you said, you need all three. Yeah. So I'm going to kick it back to both of you or to you, Pete, because I'm trying to get a sense of there's 48 minutes at center. How many of them does... Damian Jones play because in an ideal world, I still think that that's like less than 10 and maybe zero. If all three of those other players are available and I'm trying to figure out how many, because the, and my mind goes there because we're talking about lineups with Wenyon and TB on the court together. And we're going to get more minutes with LeBron and one of those two on the court together. That's going to happen in the starting lineup, for example. Right. And so if you need 48 minutes at center, what's your allocation? So I'm a, I'm a swing pass. Sorry. Sorry, D. Before we get to the answer to that, I certainly have an answer, but I want to actually get into Jones just in terms of like, what do you see from him as a player? So swing it to you, Mike. Like, let's talk about Damian Jones, because he started uh, coming into camp as a potential starter, right? And as training camp went on and all of that, he lost minutes to the point where he's been deep on the bench DNP, right? I think he's been more comfortable. He's been better when he's gotten shifts over the last couple of weeks. But that was a period of time, especially at the beginning of the season, Mike, where we were in disarray in a bunch of places, right? And a bunch, everybody's figuring each other out. We're figuring out the lineups, who works, who doesn't and whatnot. What have you seen from Damian Jones? 
Well, there were a couple games early. Well, let, let me rewind further. Damian Jones had the short stint with the Lakers, and it was basically just catching lobs from LeBron and dunking and then being active on the other end. And I think that most people who watched the Lakers closely had at least a reasonable opinion of him. And then we saw him have a few good games in Sacramento last year. And so when, like, when the Lakers made that signing, I think it looked better on paper than once the season started this year. And we started looking at Jones, and it just wasn't clicking for whatever reason. And it, I think there are a couple, there are a couple things going on, but you know, one of them is the different system and kind of the different ask of what Darvin Ham and his staff have going on. And some players adapt to stuff like that really quickly, and some players don't as much. But to speak to the point that you just made, Pete, like he has had a couple of moments. You know, at Toronto, he was four for five, had ten points, ten rebounds. He was doing it a little different way, like it wasn't LeBron uh, that was in that game, of course. But then in Washington against Washington, same thing. He had a couple dunks. He was going up over the top of everybody. Um, he had eight points. He had three blocks against Phoenix on uh, kind of using the athleticism and that little difference in height and bounce that Bryant doesn't have. And he took advantage a couple times getting over on the weak side. So it's not that he can't be have some use. And that's where to to pull Darius's question into this as well. Um, I do think that you can you put him out there for a couple of shifts and see if it happens to be clicking against that opponent. And if they're able to prey on what his weaknesses are, then maybe he doesn't play as much. And if if they're not, and and then you're able to actually use that pop and that athleticism on either end, really, then great. Then you get a couple of minutes out of it. So it's a it's a resource to me that they should they should go to to sort of see how it is against that matchup and on that night. And then in that process, hope that he gets a little bit more comfortable over the next couple of weeks. And where I'm at on that D is he would be a DNP for me if we have all three of those guys. Jones is a player that I have. I think Mike's point is spot on. So in terms of like what the asks are and the little intricacy differences in scheme. So mm-hmm. under Frank Vogel, when Jones was having success, I think on both sides of the ball, it wasn't just offensively, but on both sides of the ball. Frank's version of the drop has you play a little bit higher up at the point of attack in the screen game. And it's still no roller behind, but that initial shock at the point of attack or seeing the big body at the point of attack does its job to string the ball handler out or stop or engage him in a way where you really need to have some feel and craft as a passer in order to engage that big man and allow your role man to get behind. And what Jones was able to do a lot was show and then get back into the paint where he could use his athleticism to still be a deterrent around the basket. Darwin's version of the drop, which is the Budenholzer version of the drop, doesn't ask any of that. You are well below the level of the screen the entire time, and you are inviting the dribble penetration, and it requires then a dance as a big man to sort of show that you have the requisite feel to engage the ball handler on your terms while still keeping track of your own man in order to deter that lob. AD and Wenyon are really the only players that show that requisite like, oh, I'm going to stab at the ball or I'm going to like faint at you and make the ball handler second guess like what the timing of the play is. 
Jones just doesn't have that. And so defensively, I think that he's getting in a position where his athleticism only shows up in help rotation. It does not show up at the point of attack, basically Mm -hmm. at all. And that is like, that's fine. That's how he gets blocks, though. It's almost always on a help play. It's almost never on being engaged directly. Right. And offensively, he is getting spoon fed baskets almost all of the time. Right. And then even on those like against Phoenix, he had or a couple games ago, he had 10 points. And it's just like, oh, all these dunks and all these dunks. But there were uh, there were several other plays where it's like he got thrown lobs and then he got bumped a little bit and then he had to come down with the ball. And then suddenly it's just like those possessions turn into nothing. Yeah, like Russ they got turn mad into, at him on one. Yeah. Well, they don't even turn into like foul shot attempts. Like they don't turn into free throws. They don't turn into anything. They turn into dead possessions where at least TB, when he gets that ball inside. Oh, I was, I was just going to say early in, the, early in the season, it was him not catching the ball from LeBron, you know, like a, a couple of times in a row. And then, you know, his minutes kind of dropped out from that point. And uh-huh. they switched. But, but I, but. Darius, keep going, though, because especially the point that you made about this difference in scheme, I thought was really um, insightful. I know you moved past it, but that it does it does kind of click in when, when you think about something like that. And these guys are sitting in the film room and a coach is trying to explain it to them. You know, it if it's not something that you just sort of inherently get, that could be that could be tricky. Um, you know, and not, not get, that's that's your whole job. Right. That's the whole job. But still that it is it is something that some guys are better able to adapt to than others. Well, Pete, sometimes it's feel versus like, what's the map, right? And Mm -hmm. so when you're an artist, Pete, so you were a musician. We're going to go back to the musician phase of your life rather than the chess playing (laughs) part of your life. But there's when you have a song that you've written and these are the lyrics. And when you're on the when you're playing an instrument, these are the chords that you're supposed to play. And like, here's here it is. That's totally different than a, oh, tonight we're jamming. You want to come through? Oh, Oh, come through. And like, we're all just in a room and we're just finding each other's groove and we're playing that style, right? Darwin's version of the drop is the jam session to a certain extent. It is like, you're in the middle of the room and you better play this by feel. Like what's going on around you? Like you're the last line of defense and you're the guy who's got to do it like, keep it all together. Whereas in Frank's scheme, it's just like, nah, man, play here. When the ball goes here, you rotate there. And then you're going to sprint to the corner and then sprint back. You got low man responsibilities. That means this. And there's a certain amount of paint by numbers that goes with that. And part of the issues that the Lakers had under Frank that last season was the paint by numbers approach put players in position where they couldn't actually hit those strokes. They just right. couldn't like, hey, Malik Monk, you got low man rotations. Go, go challenge at the basket that. and then box out right. this big man. It's just like, no, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Right. And so what I'm seeing with Jones defensively, Mike, is a lot of that idea of like, go play by feel here, like engage the ball handler and then know when to get off of your own man and challenge the mid range, know when to get off the mid range and go back to your man. Do all of these little intricacies that it's just like you got to do that by feel. And Jones isn't the most feel player, Pete, and he's not a feel player on either side of the ball. And that's why I'm more in line with what you were saying in terms of like a DNP. And it's hard, though, because 
I think the Lakers are going to have to play LeBron at some center. And what does that look like now? And I think that two of, are there minutes in the game in which there's only one of TB, Wenyon, and LeBron on the floor? That seems like it's going to happen. And I'm struggling to figure out what parts of the game that that should happen in because it's like the Lakers are going to be weak in the paint defensively during those moments. I think that we need to try to avoid that as as much as possible. Uh, I think that's an important thing that that's one of the benefits that Anthony Davis provides you is the ability to run AD and then, you know, four guards or three guards and, and a forward. But I think that in these circumstances, we need those bigger guys on the court. So got a big test ahead uh, in Sacramento. Uh, Lakers, like I said, basically punted last night. And I think part of the presumed benefit of that is that you got a little more gas in the tank for a big game tomorrow in Sacramento. We'll uh, have a pod tomorrow talking a little bit about that game, but I think more of these topics kind of around the the Lakers as they're newly forming without Anthony Davis. So until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, Van Exel to win it, it's on the way, good! Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.